0: that a wonderful song. I saw that this week and I said, you know what, I got to incorporate this into my message one way or another. But it's Thanksgiving. It's, we're getting the countdown before we get ready to put our turkeys in the oven, or at least some of us. Get the stuffing going, getting all the family together. I know my wife's already got her, her shopping list ready for me to go and get everything she wants to go and cook for this Thanksgiving. And we're looking forward to getting to spend time with our friends and our family. But one of the things that I kind of had laid on my heart is the fact of the struggle that we all have. I mean, if we look at that video, you can see the dysfunction. That something that is in our lives within one of those characters from the song. And that's the the, the thing that we need to kind of take a check from. You see... Thanksgiving is a time where we need to put a focus on what we have. In fact, I had to do a little history research and figure out where Thanksgiving started. And, and November on November 26, 1789, really, really long time ago, back when Brother Jack was still alive. <laughs> Brother Jack, when you hear this, I know you're gonna laugh. But, but President George uh, Washington Issued a proclamation for the day of public thanksgiving and prayer. That was the the first dedication of the thanksgiving that that we all learned in in school about how the the pilgrims were struggling to make ends meet. And then all of a sudden the Native Americans came in and showed them a a, a way of doing things and helped bring provision in them. And we know that there's a thanksgiving in those. But George Washington said, you know what, I want to go a little bit deeper. We just have this newly found nation. We need to take a time and a moment after all that we have lost to achieve such a wonderful idea and to see what God was going to do. Let's take a moment to reflect on what we have. And let us pray that we would understand the gratefulness in our heart. And well, Thanksgiving has shifted over the course of the years. It never got set up as a a government holiday until Abraham Lincoln set it up, and then then Roosevelt kind of moved it around back and forth throughout November. But, But now we know that on the fourth Thursday of every November, yes, I listen in elementary school, that we get to celebrate Thanksgiving. This week is about understanding what we have. But then again, the Lord's been messing me up this week because we struggle so much. I mean, we've been in the series called Grateful where we've we've examined that that we take things for granted so much. We take for granted the Word of God, the most best-selling book of all times. A lot of us never even dust it off the shelves or even take the time to allow it to, to, to expose the truths that we need to have exposed in our lives. And God challenged us and said, will you read my word? Will you seek after me and and hear what I have to say? I'll be honest. My my daughter was asking me the other day, Dad, how do you know what God wants? And I said, because he speaks. How do you know he speaks? Because I said, I've heard his voice, but more importantly, I can read his voice every single day. And she says, okay, that makes sense, Dad. But why? I'm not going to digress into that conversation. But let me say, it was an extensive conversation of why does God speak? And he speaks because he loves you. He speaks because he wants to have a relationship with you. Then we also take for granted, like I talked about last week, the ability to come in, to be the body of Christ as we come into the church. Our nation used to be a nation where every Sunday, everything stopped. Everybody came into the house of the Lord. They spent time with each other. They, they connected with each other. And I found out something interesting. Up here was, was known as like the Bible capital of the world where churches were on every corner in many cities. And, and people were like, let's get to the Lord. But then there was a disagreement with, within their minds of what was more important. Was it the money or was it church? But let me tell you right now, I don't want to take The ability to assemble together with each and every one of you. I know I might have a label pastor, but you know what? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of wickedness. I would rather get to come in here and serve in whatever capacity just to know each and every one of you. Just to encourage somebody in this house this morning. That should be the heart. But so often we take that for granted. But I'm so thankful that you did not this morning. This week, the Lord kind of threw a curveball in to, to where I was going with it, because he gave me two letters. I said, Lord, what? He said, yeah, two letters. You know, we live in a world where we text message everything, right? I'm guilty. I, text message is easy if I don't want to be on the phone, because I, I, I know I can get to talking a lot and, and those aspects. But sometimes a short and sweet text message just says, here's what the information is. It's matter of fact. It has no emotions behind it. This is what it is unless you start seeing TY. You know what TY means? Thank you. You know what LOL stands for? You are allowed to talk back, come on. Tyler, what does LOL stand for? Laugh out, Laugh out loud. Let me tell you this morning, I added something so people will hear you on the live stream this morning. I'm sorry. I had to add participation into the service because we're getting ready for Christmas program. But, but we have other things like JK, Joking. All these different abbreviations of, of what we want to say. And when the Lord said the letters to me, I was like, Lord, what are you talking about? And he said, PP. I said, Lord, I've never heard of a PP in a text message. I, I, I know in the, the theology of studies where I went to college, PP meant page or pages. When I was doing my foot and footnotes and stuff like that as I was trying to adjust those. But he said, no, I want you to talk about PP. And I was like, Lord, what does PP mean? For many of us, we can probably guess personal problems. Who's got some PP personal problems? Do I have to be the first one to raise my hand? We got to be truthful. We said we're hot. We're humble, open, and transparent. We're not being fake. We all have personal issues. What about PowerPoint files? (laughs) Tyler's like, I don't want to talk about PowerPoint. I said page, PP. I actually Googled what does PP mean, and it says parcel post, whatever that is, per person, paid postage. Who remembers back in the day when you had to pay for the package when the mailman was delivering? I know a lot of us young people are like, what is they talking about? There was a time where it had COD, where you had to pay cash on demand when it got delivered. I know, I know. So paid postage, if you're older, you know you appreciated that back in the day. Like for some other people, PV means something completely different, and we're not going to that in the church this morning. But the heart of the matter that we all are dealing with is we struggle with various things of, of what we've encountered. And like I said, we've been talking about it for so many different things. And we're trying to examine what the Lord is trying to say. But what God kept telling me that the world today needs to hear, somebody needs to hear this message. PP means provision problems. What do I mean? You're looking at me like, what do you mean? Provision problems. You ever looked at the news lately? You turn on the channel, what do they talk about the most? Inflation. The economy. The the fact that your dollar doesn't go so far. The fact that all of this stuff doesn't seem like it's going to calculate into a measurable ability to make the means met. Provision problems. I keep hearing about how the heating bills are going to be sky high. People are going to freeze. All these different things. We have a world where we're so struggling with where we're at because we are not seeing how things connect and calculate together. We have a provision problem. Let me tell you. When I know that I have a provision problem, my nails get bit a lot. I start struggling. I start stressing. I start trying to calculate things. I start trying to do all these different things. Am I the only one in this house that does that? Man, you guys are not talkative this morning. Come on. I know you're tired. I'm tired too. I woke up this morning. That's why I'm tired. Come on. But what I'm saying is, when we get provision problems, we start trying to do what we know how to do. We start trying to calculate it together to make it all add up. Bridge up. I had a car that I just bought. It was a nice, awesome, Volkswagen Jetta, turbocharged with sports suspension. It had giant wheels on it. I bought it. And the, second, the day two of having it, all of a sudden, it wouldn't start. I'm calling the dealership up and I'm saying, what's going on? I just gave you all my money to get this car and it won't even run. What do I got to do? And they said, well, well, we'll bring it in the shop. We'll look at it and all this. And they said, oh, it's your alternator. I said, I just bought the car. You said you had a 155 point inspection that everything was going to work right. Well, we're sorry. It's going to cost you $500 for the new alternator. Let me tell you, provision problems kick in in those kind of moments. Can I get an amen? That night, I slept, I was throwing up, I was getting sick every which way, stressing about what I was going to have to do to find $500 and a $25 bank account, trying to figure out what I was going to have to do to make the car work. You ever had a moment like that? You ever struggle with provision problems? Where you're going, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But there's always a flip side to provision problems that's where the Lord kind of gave me the scripture. And I'm like, Lord, where are you coming at me with this? And he says, no, you need to read it to somebody because they need to hear the words behind it. But I said, Lord, the only time I ever hear this sermon or this scripture is really at the funerals. He says, no, it has power right here, right now, not when you're dead, but right now. And it's out of uh, Psalms 23. And yet if you'll throw that up, we're going to go and read through it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for You are with me, and Your rod and Your staff they comfort me. Lord. You ever read through that and actually ask God what He's trying to to, to relay in your life? Like I said, I always hear this, and I'm like, well, they, they passed on. They, he's leading them through the through the darkest times as they walk in and they get to go and walk on our streets or the, the streets of, of glory on the heavenly roads and they get to praise God right from and there. But God was speaking to me this week, and he says, No. There's power in the word of what I'm trying to tell my people. And that is, he loves you. And if he loves you, he's got power behind everything he says. And he didn't tell us this word for just the death of our life. But he's saying it it's for right now. See, I love how God is speaking on the provision problems even in this scripture. Because the first part of it, it comes out and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. Can we say that a little louder? I shall not want. Let me tell you, I love how God speaks in ways and, and, and fashions through his, his, his prophet David, his, 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 his man after his own heart, David, as he was saying that there's power in the words. See, David grew up in the shepherds. He knew what the shepherd was capable of doing. He knew that when in the darkest moments of our life, the shepherd would be there to risk. Better yet, he knew that the, the shepherd would be the one that would lead us of plenty to places that we have provisions that are met you see church we might be looking around and looking at the news saying i don't know how x and y are going to equal a but all i know is that if god's in the mix i don't care what it is a is always going to get met amen a is always going to get met if we would really just understand and connect that in our provision problems god can do it all you ever had those moments where you're like i know and you're so stressed out like I was with my Volkswagen Jetta, which I truly love and miss because that was a fun car to drive until I drove it all the way to Kentucky with a ch- uh, car seat in the back. But I remember the night so vividly where I was so sick and all I could do was say, okay, $25 is never going to multiply to 500 God, I need you just to come right now you to do whatever it takes, whether it's multiply my bank account by whatever variable it needs to make that account met, or you find another means and a capability to allow me to get this brand new car that I just got, and I just gave away my own car own car to my best friend, I need you to do something. Because I gotta get to work. And I woke up the next morning. I know we always talk about the good stories. But I woke up the next morning, and I got a call from the dealership. They said, Mr. Turner? I said, yes. They said, we got to talk about it. I said, Ma'am, ma'am, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I have $25 in the bank account. That's enough money to put gas in the car to get me through work for a week. Past that, I, I don't get paid for another week. And past that, that paycheck is not going to equal $500. And she says, Mr. Turner, stop, stop, stop. You're getting ahead of yourselves. We were talking and we realized that we did the inspection and somehow we missed it. So what we're going to do is, because you've just bought the car and it's still under warranty, we're just going to tell you we were wrong. We're sorry we told you the wrong information. We're going to cover the alternator and all the installation and all the towing and we're going to understand and we're going to add another 2,000 miles to or 20,000 miles to your extended warranty. Let me tell you. That's just one of my stories where I've seen God go through my provision problems and allow me to connect with the Heavenly Father and see what He can do with them all. There are some things that don't calculate right. I've lived my life where I lost my job seven months unemployed, living on whatever I could and whatever means I could. The bills did not calculate the income. I just say that. What I was bringing in should not have paid any of my bills. But God can connect the dots. You see, we struggle with the provision problems, the PP. But then God was like, no, 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 no. it's not just the PP, a provision. You see, we struggle with with all kinds of other PP problems. We struggle with, with, with the provision problems and trying to make sure that we understand how to connect with life. But we also come up with a struggle where we lose our perspective problems. I love the video this morning. How when that one young man who just got married walked into the house and his wife looked at him and says, hey guys, can we just put our phones away and just say hello to my husband? And he's like, well, hi guys. I haven't seen you since the wedding day. It's nice to see you. And everybody's like, "Huh," and it goes right back to their phones. You ever had that in your life? I mean, I will be honest. I love my technology. I love this thing because it's so great for communication. It's so great for distractions. It's so great for everything that I want underneath the sun. But I've learned it makes me lose my perspective. Me lose the perspective, and it gives me a perspective problem about what I've encountered. Come on. Let me tell you, WebMD is a great perspective problem killer. It'll, it, or not killer, edifier. I got a cough, I got runny nose, I got a boo boo, and all of a sudden I got cancer. Oh Lord, Lord, I got cancer. That's what WebMD just said. I got cancer. What am I going to do? When in all reality, I just got a common cold. Come on. See, we. We, we get distracted with perspective problems a lot of the times, too. But that's always going to come when we understand or come when we get out of the understanding of who God is. It's always in the darkest moments that it seems like people always turn to God. It's always when everything happened. 9-11 was one of those moments. All of a sudden, the world stopped. The planes got grounded. Everybody, what do they do? They flocked to the church. A year later, where were they at? Six months before it, where were they at? Twelve years later, where are they at? We're struggling with a perspective problem in the world today, and the church is also having a perspective problem because we don't hold and understand the fact that God is the one that created it all. We want to have these little moments where we have all the extras. We want to have all these different things in our lives, and we try to bring purpose in all of it. But we lose perspective. We lose the heart of what God is trying to speak to us when we reject the actual reality that we truly live in. Let me tell you, the metaverse, whatever this is coming up, it scares me. I loved 3D games back in the day, but I loved them because I could disconnect with them two seconds. They're talking like our augmented reality is going to get so much more crazy. There's even churches that no longer meet in person right now. They set it up where you can meet online inside of a a virtual building. You can sit in your virtual seat. You can watch the sermon virtually. It scares me. There's a perspective issue. I understand some people are afraid to get out. I understand some people are afraid of viruses. I understand that there's a lot of different things that cause people not to be able to come into the house of the Lord, not to be able to come and fellowship with one another, not to do these different things. And I'm thankful we have technologies that allow us to get this message out there. But if it's always a perspective issue where we are struggling with where we're supposed to go and we struggle with everything that we have, then what we have to realize is that there's got to be something going on that has to change. Because your provisions are never going to get met when your perspective is out of whack. Can I say that again? Your provisions will never get met when your perspective is out of whack. David... We know that he was a man that loved God with all of his heart all of, and everything he had. It says it was, he was a man after God's own heart. He learned in his life and his journey how good God was in the shepherd's field. He learned how good God was in the battlefield as he was being saved and doing all these mighty things with God behind his back as he killed Goliath. As he fought and, and, and killed his, uh, hundreds and thousands of men under King Saul. He learned how good he was when the redemptive work happened after he backslid and went and had relationship with Bathsheba. See, there was a perspective switch that had to happen, and that's what we have to realize. Our perspective problems are always going to be the thing that gets us in the most trouble. When we start worshiping I or those the things of this world over the God that created them and the God that loves you and the God that redeems you. The perspective problems have to change. You see, we have to realize as David wrote it out, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the or in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me tell you, there's a variable in that whole entire sermon there and that whole connection with what God is trying to get us to understand and it's not you. Can I just let that set in? It's not you. The variable that David was writing out was he. He. The God who loves you will lead you and provide the things he has for you, but you have to connect with him. You have to surrender your life You see, we take that for granted so often. Lord, forgive me for today because I've messed up, because my life's a mess. God, I need you to touch this horrible mess that I've made. Fix it right now. That's often the prayer that we have. But what God is saying is that I don't want your your sacrifices. I want obedience. That comes with, Lord. Today is your day. Lead me wherever you want me to go. Lord, today is your moment. This is your time at lunch right now, Lord. I surrender it. Lord, thank you for my provisions of food in my stomach today, Lord. Let it have me have the power and the ability to do whatever you've called me to do. Lord, this is my technology that you've allowed me to achieve. Let me use it to glorify your name for your name's sake. Church, if we would connect with those kind of our abilities with what God's trying to say we would realize our PP struggles our issues man that sounds so horrible I gotta quit saying that this morning we would realize that our perspective and our provision problems would lose their power and the ability to to disable us you see we need to understand that God is trying to get us to go and think and and understand that, that he is trying to tell us that we need to get moving to be obedient enough to say, God, you tell me when to move. One step forward. Really, God? One step. You ever played in trouble? You ever play that game of trouble? Where you got the little dice thing that are in the bubble, and it tells you how many spaces you can go forward, and you're going around and around, and it tells you and limits you, but you're trying to achieve a thing, and all you want to do is say, if I could just go three steps, then I'm good. But you only get told to go one step. And you're like, oh, I can't go. Come on, God, let me go one step. Let me tell you the obedience of the, the perspective issues that we have to hold on to is when God says to go, you say yes. Amen. Or better yet, when you're playing Uno and you get a skip card and you get skipped and God says, sit down, it's not your time. Trust me, I play a lot of games. I'll be honest. <laughs> but that's what it is. It's perspective. When you obey the rules of what God is trying to tell you. There's a difference. There's a connection with it. That's what we have to be grateful for, that God is still communicating with us today to give us that ability to have the truth still walking in our lives. I'm thankful when he called me into the ministry, he didn't say, just set, ready, get set, go. And watch me stumble all the way. No, he said, I want you to go and be a minister. I said, God, no, you're not. Do you not know who I am? I'm just being real I will tell anybody. I said, God, you got the wrong guy so many times. And he kept saying, no, I want you to be the minister. I said, God, no. And then when I finally said, God, I'm ready. And I expected the seas to part. Kind of like when Moses put the staff on the Red Sea. And they're like, go. I thought the race was going to go. And then all of a sudden, it was like, you ready? I said, I'm ready, God. And he says, one step. And then And I said, God, can I take the next step? And he says, no. He says, I want you to sit down there for a little bit, and I'll tell you when to get back up. Come on. It's kind of like what he was doing in, the, in, in the, the wilderness as he was leading his people out of Egypt. He put them in the, the Sinai region, and he said, go to this point, stop. Go to this point, stop. A journey that should have took like 40 days ended up being 40 years. Let me tell you, God is still speaking to us with the, with the respective problems that we have and trying to tell us it's not about you, boo. It's about he, who created you. Let me tell you, we, is- we have issues all the time because we want things when we want things. We want things how we want things. We want things always in our time frame. Like Christmas, my kids are like, Dad, can we open up Christmas presents yet? I said, honey, we ain't even got them yet. What are you talking about? They want them now. We're like that too. We have this perspective issue where we want things when we want them. Let me tell you, it's not an age-old story that's anything different than what the Israelites did. You see, we have a God that provides the provisions we need, but it has to be in the perspective of who he is. What I'm saying is, they got called out of Egypt. You got called out of your darkness. And he's leading you in his marvelous life. But that struggle that you're dealing with is you're going to encounter things. Where God's trying to show you who he is. And you should be grateful. The Israelites got called out. They watched that Red Sea. They watched all the Egyptians die. And they were like, yeah, we're good. And then they got told to stop. And then they got the rules. And they were like, okay, there's rules. And then they got a little defiant on themselves. And they started doing their own thing. They're like, okay, God, you brought us all the way out here. And we're going to die because we don't have enough food that we brought from Egypt. And he says, no. Moses, go tell him. Every day, they're gonna collect this bread that's gonna fall from the sky, and it's gonna be the provision they need. But on Sunday, they have to collect devil on Saturday because it's not gonna fall on Sunday. And they're like, what? Next day, they showed up. Wow, there's bread everywhere, what? They ate and and got themselves so full, and then they got so tired of it. And they were like, we would rather just have quail, all the meat, and God's like, okay, You want to be so defiant, I'll give you what you want, but you're going to get so sick and tired of it, you're not going to ever want well again. I mean, provide it. See, what I'm trying to talk about, and what I feel God has been speaking in my spirit this morning, is that we have to be grateful that God loves us enough that he's going to provide the provisions in his proper timing to allow us to have an ability to get rid of the third problem. The third P.P. You know what that pp is man i got a question it's praise problems Bridget. Bridget. it's praise problems it's the ability to come into your life and realize that you have a god that wants you and he loves you and he sent his son on the earth to die for your sins to give you new life, to give you the connection, to adopt you back into the son and daughtership that he's called you to be. And he's saying, all I want from you is for you to realize that I am the great I am. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the one who will cause it to stop at any moment. But you have to put the proper perspective in your life where you realize that I am worthy of all praise, all honor, and all glory. It's in those moments that we see God show up. It's in those moments of surrender that God does His mightiest works. It's in those moments that if you read through your Bible, you'll see characters and people who said, I am not worthy of it, but God, you can do it all. That's why when David went up to Goliath, he was not fearful at all. That's why when Daniel got tested and got told to get put in the lion's den, he says, whatever. But we so often live our lives like Jonah. When God says, go to the evil city and you prophesy against them. And he's like, nope. (laughs) He said, no. So many of us live our lives where we're like, God, I trust you. But no. I I got a perspective issue. Because God, I know you're going to send me into this, this whole darkness. I know you're going to send me into this place, and I know you say you're good because the goodness of God, like we sung about this morning. But God, I don't want to do it because it's about me, boo. i I got to quit saying boo, Tyler. It's about me. I'm scared. God, it's about me. I don't want to do it because I know they're going to kill me and they're going to do this or that. God, I don't want to go talk to that person at Walmart and tell them that God loves them because they look scary. love that person because they smell bad. God, that person, no. See, what God is trying to say is his praise and honor and glory are always going to come through the things that we do when we acknowledge that he is God. It's not just about coming in here because this whole entire church service, even right now, is considered worship. You understand that? Worship starts at the beginning when we walk in and we have fellowship. Worship continues as we sing and and glorify Him with the songs that we sing that are meant to edify our souls as we connect with Him. Worship is when we give the tithe and the offering. Worship is, is when we go and listen to the message. Worship is when we leave the building and we fellowship with one another. Worship is when you're breathing. I don't know who needs to But I know that God keeps saying that we need to start worshiping him. And what he's been doing in the church for the longest time is he keeps pulling his spirit out. And he keeps pouring it out on the church. And then sometimes he pulls it back. He keeps pouring his spirit out on the church and he keeps pulling it back. And I kept going, God, why don't you just pour it out? like you said in the end days, that you will pour it out. And young men will see dreams and old men will see visions. And he says, it's because I have to have the rod and the staff. This thing will be the things that comfort you. If I give you everything you need without the protection that you need at the same time, you're gonna go and think it's all on your time. It's gonna all be on your time. And what I keep feeling God is trying to tell the church today, we gotta get our problems in line and put our proper provision and perspective and praise in line. With the understanding that it does not have to be a PP, but it just needs to be one P, and it's got to be praise, and it's got to be honor, and it's got to be glory, and it's got to be all sold out for God. Because when he is going to do whatever he's going to do, he's going to provide means and measures and ways to get us out of trouble. That's what the staff, do, or the staff does. It's got the hook on it. The rod, no, the rod, I'm sorry. The rod's got the hook on it. It pulls the sheep back. It protects the sheep. Let me tell you right now, I keep watching videos of sheep, and sheep are stupid. I saw one video where the sheep got stuck, it got its head stuck in a hole in the ground. The, 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 the shepherd pulled him out. What did the sheep do? ran right back and put his head in the hole. <laughs> sheep were stupid. And the Bible relates us to sheep. Hallelujah. Because we keep doing the same stupid stuff all the time. We keep falling in the same stupid holes all the time and what he's saying is my rod and my staff will comfort you they will hold you out they will bring provision into your life they will produce hope but you have to trust me in it that's why I keep pouring my spirit out a little bit and then I hold it back that's why there's moments in my in your life you'll feel me so close that you can't even detangle me from you and there's other moments in your life where you don't feel like I'm near but you don't realize I'm closer than you never understand Come on. see church what god is trying to speak to us this morning is that we have hope you see the things that thanksgiving reminds us in our hearts is the need to disconnect from the struggles and start praising god for the things we do have Amen. the things we need to do the thanksgiving that we're getting ready to go and have at the table and get to spend time with family and loved ones and friends or whatever Those are moments in our life where you can realize that you have a connection with him. But God is trying to make you understand that Thanksgiving is not one day a year. It's every single day. I'm thankful for Thanksgiving. I'm thankful that I get to serve a God who is good. I'm thankful I get to serve a God who loves me. I'm thankful that we get to come into the house and honor a God who loves you more than you never understand But it's time that we get rid of the problems and start getting more thankful. It's time where we truly understand that 1 Chronicles 16 and 34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalms 23 and 6 tells us, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord stand with me this morning. I don't know who this message is for. I don't know what you've been dealing with or encountering or or having struggles with. But what I feel that God is trying to tell you this morning is, it's time to stop looking at your problems and start letting Thanksgiving come through. It's time to put away the perspective issues. It's time to put away the the provision struggles that you've been trying to calculate and formulate how to get through. It's time for you to start really getting your praise issues, realize that they need to get rectified and fixed so that God can get the glory in it all. God gave you every single thing. He gave you the breath in your lungs. He gave you that little flicker of a beat of your heart right then and there. He's not done with you. But it's time for you to realize that it's about him. See, that's what Jack was talking about this morning as he was doing the, the prayer time and the offering. The gospel is meant to be receiving God's goodness and expelling it back out in everyday life. It's about taking it in and telling somebody about God's goodness. Let me tell you, there's testimonies you've never even heard of in my life that God still reminding me, and he's got testimonies the same way with you. You don't know how good you've had it, but we need to take our hearts and really just put it in a connection and say, God, I'm thankful that you loved me so much that you sent your son on the earth to die on the cross, take my punishment. God, I'm thankful that you give me breath in my lungs, that you provide the food on my table. You give me a car. You give me heat. You give me kids to love on. You give me all these different things that I'm taking for granted. This morning, let's just go ahead and pray as we get ready to mess this, this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I'm thankful that you are a good heavenly father that loves us so much, Lord. Lord, I don't want to take this for granted any longer. Lord, we don't want to just go through the motions, but Lord, we want to check our hearts and allow us to realize that it's all about you. That we want to be so thankful for everything that we have, not just the meal that we have and the prayer that we say, Lord, thank you for this food. Lord, we want to wake up and say, Lord, thank you for this breath. Lord, thank you for the stars in the sky. Thank you for the birds that annoy me like crazy in the mornings. Lord, we want to say thank you for everything we have, because you get the glory of it all. Lord, let us just go through this week, Lord, and remind us, Lord, to check our hearts and ask, what am I thankful for? Am I thankful for what I have, or do I take it for God, check us, Lord, and show us and remind us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Church, I love you all. I look forward to seeing you. I'm praying for less snow, not like my wife. See, I, I think the prayer of a righteous man, I much over her prayers. Send her to New York. She wanted to go to Buffalo, I'll be honest. But we, got, we love you all. We look forward to seeing you guys next Sunday uh, as long as the Lord tarries. Go and be in the church because the church is leaving the building. I'll see you guys next week.